Welcome to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us. We want to help you to know God, find freedom, and discover your divine purpose so that you can make a difference with your life. We pray this message encourages you, inspires you, brings you hope, and builds your faith. Generosity is who we are as Christians. He gives seed to the sower. So if you're at a place that, well, I can't sow a certain amount, I can't do, you know, what, what I feel in my heart, well, you can do something. There, there always is something, and this is not the message today, but I want to teach you a principle that it says he gives seed to the sower. So, so many times in life, we want to be the sower, but we, we don't remember that it says he gives seed to the sower. So that means when you live in a, in a place of generosity with your life, whether that's $5 or $5,000, whatever the amount is, says he gives the seed to the sower. So to the person who predetermines, I'm going to live my life as a conduit of what God wants to do in the earth. If God can get it to me, then I'll commit that God can get it through me. Recently, I was talking to somebody as we were working uh, in missions. We, we have a lot of projects that we do around the world on a regular basis. And as I was talking to uh, one of the guys that partner with us, uh, with so many others in this church and others that come together to help with projects every month that we do in different parts of the world, world, especially in Asia, I was talking to this guy. And just as we were talking, he said, God just told me that whatever I was supposed to give, I just should double it, double it right now. I was like, man, that's a good word from the Lord. And what he said is, he said, I've realized that the scripture says it, but I've seen the reality of it, that the life of the generous gets brighter and brighter, wider and wider, so that, that God expands you more and more, if you look at it in one translation, that the, the path of the generous, the path of the stingy gets smaller and smaller, but the path of the generous gets wider and wider. How many of you know God has a promise for your life that is not small and diminished, but it is wider and wider? And your obedience is not about zeros on the end of the seeds that you sow. Your obedience is about determining in your heart that I'm going to be a person that sows with my life, with my resources, with my obedience, and with my faith, I'm going to sow. And in return, God says he's going to give you seed as you sow. And your life is not going to get smaller. Your life is just going to continue to expand and increase in all directions. How many of you believe that God has increased for you in the future? At least 12 of you believe that. I'll call you my disciples and we can change the world. I mean, this, is, this isn't very hard. You just have to line yourself up with what God says. And all throughout um, the last few weeks, Pastor Chris has been talking and speaking about how that we move from death into life, that we move from being led by our emotions and our flesh into being led by the Spirit. And he referenced it in Romans chapter 6 where it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? No, because we are now dead to sin. We are alive to righteousness. And we are then led by the Spirit of God. And the Bible instructs us on so many things. And so today... I want to just encourage you from the scriptures. It may feel a little bit like a Bible study, like a teaching session in some moments and preaching in other moments. But the reality 
for you is to leave this place changed and different. You know, our prayer, Pastor Chris and Heather and Sarah and I, on a regular basis, our prayer for you is that you would grow in your walk with God. That you wouldn't be at this same place in your faith and your understanding and in the application of God's word for your life. You wouldn't be at the same place a year from now. The Bible says that we should grow up. Tell somebody next to you, grow up. Now tell the person on your other side, you too. Some of you said that with a lot of conviction. I saw some spouse just look at their wife or their husband and be like, you need to grow up. Sometimes we can see that in the natural as our children grow. I have a 17, a 15-year-old. My daughter just had a birthday last week. And our latest daughter, the one-year-old, she's now 17 months old. And it's amazing how in 17 months she went from just this little figure, barely like a person, just a little figure, you know, there when she popped out. And now all of a sudden she's walking, she's talking, she's repeating like a parrot. Puppy. Puppy. Okay, everything's not a puppy. We don't even have a puppy, but she just saw one on a cartoon somewhere, and now she just says puppy. Her two favorite words, puppy and bubba. I don't know why Isaac and puppies are the most exciting thing in our house. There are other people in the house, her mom, her dad, her sister, but for some reason she loves Isaac and puppies. But it's amazing to see the growth and the progress that takes place in her life And I was thinking about it this way, that sometimes in our walk with Christ, we expect that it's going to be this long journey of growth that somehow, you know, oh, you know, it'll take five or ten years. But as I've been watching my uh, little daughter grow, it only takes her a few months and things change so rapidly. So why do we have an expectation that I'm going to have to deal with this thing for a long time before God's going to take it away? Why do we have an expectation that, you know what, I'm okay just to keep sucking on milk and just to be, you know, a little infant in the kingdom? Why don't you see yourself as a giant in God's kingdom? Why don't you see yourself as transformed, renewed? Why don't you see yourself how God sees you as his representative? The Bible says that you're his ambassador, embajadores de Cristo, entienden? All right, so why don't you see yourself as an ambassador, a representative of his kingdom here in this kingdom? An ambassador is not an infant. An ambassador is someone who's accomplished, someone who has been changed, someone who has done something, and someone who can represent the kingdom in whatever country they are in. And God wants to take you from where you are to where you're called to be. But friends, it doesn't have to take 15 years for you to get there. Shake your neighbor or your mouth and say amen. So I want to take you a little bit on a journey today as we continue in this idea of who God has created us to be and how we are to be as his children. And that will help each of us here today, whether you are new to faith or whether you've been around the things of God. The reality is that salvation takes place in a moment, but All of our lives, as long as we are breathing, God wants to work on us. And if you're someone who thinks you don't need work on you, just ask someone who knows you. (laughs) Or look in the mirror and say, oh yeah, you too, you need some work. But we we don't allow God to change us from a defeated mindset where it will never be accomplished. We allow God to change us so that we can be transformed, we can be changed and renewed, and God 
is supernatural, so he can actually do some changes in your life faster than what you might realize. It may have taken you five years to get locked up in that sin, but it may take you five minutes and God can change you of that thing. He can take entire desires away from you. He can take addictions and habits and strongholds, even things that you've settled to, to have in your life or in your uh, you know, relationships for the rest of your life. So, no, I'm just going to have to deal with this. Part of the reason that sometimes for Christians, they think they have to deal with things their entire life is because sometimes preachers get up and say, oh, we're just wicked people. We're just sinners saved by grace. But the reality is when I got saved, I became a Christian, a follower of Christ. I'm not a sinner anymore, even though I may sin in my life. I am not a sinner anymore because I am a Christian, a little Christ. That means I am becoming more like him than I am becoming more like the world. Now, when I was serving the world and when I was not serving Christ, then I was a sinner. But I'm not just a sinner saved by grace. I'm a son of God, and you are a, a child of God. You are a follower of Jesus, and more than 10 people should clap at that because this is the basis of our salvation. You are not a wretch anymore. You are not lost anymore. If you have Jesus first in your life and if you've committed to follow him, you may not be perfect, but you are progressing. You may not have it all figured out, but you know what? God has it figured out. So you run after him and he changes you into his likeness and into his image. Friends, this is not my idea. This is scripture. And when you align your life with the scripture, things begin to change. If you believe that, clap your hands, shake your neighbor, shout, do something where you're at least alive and you can agree that God is working in your life. If you've never heard me preach before, I'm sorry I preach fast and sometimes I get you to do things. It's because I want to make sure you're awake and it sinks down deep on the inside of you because the word of God is powerful. The Bible says it's so powerful it can divide between soul and spirit. And here's the reality for you and I. So many people are living based out of their soul. Your soul is affected by the things that have happened to you. But your spirit should lead you. Your spirit is affected by who God says you are. And when your spirit is redeemed, your spirit can override your soul. That means if you're going through difficulties, oh, I don't feel very good. This has happened to me and I've been abandoned and abused and I've been cast out to the desert and I don't know what to do. It's okay if you felt like that. Don't allow your feelings to dictate your emotion. I know that's hard because we live in a society where we want to just be led by our feelings. But as a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that we should be led by his spirit. It's the spirit of God that overrides what the soul wants to do. And it's the word of God that can then divide between that soulish realm of what I feel and the spiritual realm of what God has said. We are spiritual beings. Pastor Chris illustrated this. It's like a glove and your spirit is inside your body, but you are more spiritual than you are natural because your body will pass away. Your spirit will live forever somewhere, either with him in eternity or with the enemy it cast out in utter, utter darkness. But for those of us who have seen the light and surrendered to Jesus, then the Bible says that you will be with him for eternity. There is a way to secure your eternal destination, and that comes through your surrender 
to Jesus. You can't do it by yourself. You can't do it through your good works. There's not enough Hail Marys in the earth for you to pray your way into heaven apart from Jesus. My good works don't take me there. What somebody else has done can't get me there. What somebody else says can't keep me from that place. But what I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth, as the scripture says, is the part where the miracle of salvation takes place, where I say, I need a savior. I am a sinner, but I ask you to forgive me, and I want to receive you into my life, and I want my name written in your book. Friends, that is the miracle of salvation. And I want you to take five seconds and put your hands together and clap and shout and do a sundry of crazy ideas because Jesus saved you. You can clap better than that for what Jesus did. I mean, there may be a hundred and something people here, but you can clap at least like you almost are happy. All right, are you awake yet? Some of you are wondering, when is he going to get into my sermon? I haven't gotten into my sermon yet. These are just some God ideas for you. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. How many of you have ever heard that scripture before? What's amazing about this verse is sometimes we quote this verse when somebody's come out of something, say, oh, brother, sister, there's no condemnation. Oh, okay, okay, great. But the scripture actually doesn't say that. It doesn't say there's no condemnation. It says there's no condemnation for those who were in Christ Jesus. Probably is some condemnation when you're not in Christ Jesus. And there's probably some conviction when you are in Christ Jesus about things that are not right in your life. But a Holy Spirit conviction is not a bad thing. And sometimes we can exchange the conviction of the Holy Spirit and we can say, oh, no, I'm not going to live condemned. Well, maybe you're not being condemned. Maybe you're just being convicted. I once had a brother-in-law. Well, that, that will probably tell you part of the story. I say I once had a brother-in-law. My sister, um, she's no longer married in that situation. It was, a, it was an abusive situation. It was difficult. And I remember, this is several years ago, we were at church and he left church and I asked him about his experience at church, and he said this, well, I don't really like coming to your church. I said, really, why don't you like coming to our church? It wasn't this church. It was the one that we attend back in Oklahoma. I said, why don't you like Well, every time I come, I feel condemned. And I thought about it for a moment. I thought, really, you feel condemned? Tell me why you feel condemned. And then he went on to tell me, well, because they say I can't do this, and they say that this shouldn't be the way I think, and this shouldn't be the way I act. This, I said, I don't even remember the pastor saying all of those things. Well, that's how I feel every time I come to that church. And I looked at him and I said, well, have you ever thought that maybe that's not condemnation? Maybe that's just the conviction of the Holy Spirit because you're into this, 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 and this. And he didn't want to hear that. Next time you feel condemned, why don't you ask, is this the Lord convicting or is this condemnation of others? Because the condemnation of others should be put aside, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit should be acknowledged and should be accepted and then should be applied because God wants to change us. Now, I'm not trying to put you down. I'm trying to lift you up. That when the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes upon your life, it's not to take things from you that are good for you. It's to remove things that are hurting you so God can bring the things that will bless you. You see, the enemy wants to keep you down and bound, but God wants to bring you up and set you free. Freedom is a beautiful thing. 
I mean, you live in America. Just imagine if you lived in communist China or in some of these places where you can't even determine the course of your future for your business or your family because it's predetermined for you by that situation. But think about it in the spiritual realm. In the same way, the enemy wants to restrict and contain and push you down, but God wants to lift you up. God wants to set you free. Sin binds you, but God's freedom sets you free. It is a great day to be a follower of Jesus. Come on, smile like you received that word today. We haven't even got through the first verse here. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then it gives us a little illustration how we are to be a person who doesn't walk in condemnation of others, but has the freedom of walking in who Christ has called us to be. It says, who do not walk according to the flesh. So here's a little insight on how you can walk free of condemnation and walk in the spirit of who Jesus has called you to walk in. It says, who walks not according to the flesh, but according to to the spirit. Everybody say according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life. Everybody say life. Of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. Everybody say free. From the law of sin and death. There it is right there. If you want to know the dichotomy of scripture of following Jesus, the sinful nature will tear you down and bring you towards death. But the spiritual man that's followed and surrendered to Jesus, it will bring you up. It says that he will bring you freedom in this life. There is a freedom that comes when you follow after Jesus, And that's what we want you to see throughout this month as Pastor Chris has shared and he'll be sharing again next week. And as we are looking at this today, think about what it's saying. It says in verse 3, for what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh, God did. Everybody say God did. It's not what you did, it's what God did. God did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin. Why did he come? Because of sin. Why did he have to come to the earth as a man? Because it was a sinful nature. It was flesh that sinned, and it was flesh that was going to then redeem us from that sin. But it was sinless flesh, the flesh of Jesus, fully God and fully man, sent to the earth to live a perfect life, to die a terrible death, to be resurrected after three days. And after he took the keys of dominion back from the devil, then he ascended into heaven, and he now gives us authority. Everybody say authority. So he gives us authority through what he did. And it says this, he condemns sin in the flesh that, righteous, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh. This is the transformation right here who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. The word of the Lord today for you is simple, and it is this, walking after Jesus. Say that with me. Say, walking after Jesus. 
If you want to know how we are created to be and how we are created to live, we are created to live in a place and in an alignment where we walk after Jesus. In life, there's a lot of things that you can walk after. Why don't you just ask the person next to you, what are you walking after? Think about some of the things that you walk after. You walk after your own desires. You walk after um, activities. Me and Chris went to a basketball game last night, watched the Orlando Magic opening night. They didn't win, but they played valiant. It's going to be their year to not finish at the bottom. At least they're somewhere higher than the bottom. And if you at least have faith for that, please agree with me so they don't finish at the bottom. Why would we go to the game? Because we like basketball. I called Pastor Chris, said, let's go to the game. He said, hey, that sounds good. I arrived. We went to the game. I talked to my wife afterwards. She said, why did you go to the game? I said, I like basketball. Some things in life you just do because you have a desire for them. And God doesn't want to take things from you. He wants to add things to you. It's about what's in control of your life. Now, if I went to basketball games every day that there's a game, and I prioritized it over my family, over my finances, over the church, over everything else, then what I desired isn't just an activity. Now it's become a stronghold. Because we are called to live after the spirit, not after the flesh. So we are those who are in this world, but the Bible says we're not of this world. So how do we have a good balance? Well, we get a good balance in our lives by prioritizing things in the right way of recognizing God is first in my life. And the Bible says that if you seek him first, then he'll add all things unto you. The things are not just spiritual things. Those are natural things. Did you know God cares about your natural life just like he cares about your spiritual life? But he wants to know what's the priority in your life. How are you going to prioritize things in the right way? And one of the best ways to prioritize what's important in your life is what you walk after. And as a Christian, we are called to walk after Jesus. Just say that with me. Say Jesus. So walking after Jesus is what we are called to do. In life, we can walk after even sometimes things that are good, but God has called us to walk after God, and Christ is our example. Growing up, maybe you were like me, but I wasn't, I didn't come out of my mother's womb redeemed. It's a good way to say that. I had some issues. Have you ever had any issues Things that you dealt with, flesh that tried to kind of rule you or actually ruled you until you surrendered. Well, for me, that was a process. It was a journey. It was quite a journey, probably 17 years until I really got to the place where I recognized that, that I need to surrender completely to Jesus. I mean, most of my growing up, I was around the things of God. I was in Christian school. I was in a good environment. But I was the bad apple in the good environment. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Maybe that was your story. I mean, you were there for the benefits, but you didn't want to surrender to what the Lord was saying. And it took me about 17 years. And then when I finally did come to the place where I surrendered, my life still had some renewing to take place. I mean, I, I thought certain ways. I, I spoke certain ways. And I remember 
after I surrendered to the Lord, my pastor at that time, he definitely knew there was a change in my life. He'd heard about what took place in my life. He could see an evident change because I was always getting in trouble, and then all of a sudden I wasn't in trouble as much at the Christian school where I attended. And he was wondering, well, why am I not in the principal's office anymore? So that was a sign and a wonder to many people on what happened and how things were transformed. But that's my testimony. And so I remember I was sitting in church just like this in a service, and the pastor, I can't even remember what he was preaching about, but as he was in the middle of his sermon, he looked over at me and he said, Caleb, you're here. And I was, I don't know, 17 years old. And he said, come on up here and give the people your testimony. And I'm sitting there thinking, what's my testimony? I'm in my life used to be terrible, and I surrendered to Jesus, but I'm still a work in progress. It's like I had a big orange construction sign that said, under construction, and that was me walking around. And as I was walking up to the pulpit, I'm thinking, what do I say? What do I say? What do I say? I'm not a preacher. He's about to give me a microphone. He wants me to tell a testimony. What do I say? And then he says this, just go ahead and tell him how God took your cusser away. Exactly. I'd never heard anybody say anything about a cusser. He said, come on, you used to talk really bad. Tell them how come you don't talk bad anymore. And I was like, oh, man, that's, that's a big thing, okay. And at that moment, I didn't know I didn't talk bad. I still had to be renewed. And so I got up on the platform, and I said, well, I surrendered to Jesus, and Jesus took my cusser away. <laughs> and honestly, up to that point, I hadn't thought about it. I thought about how that when I surrendered to Jesus, that he changed my life, but I thought I was going to have to live from a place where I would constantly have to hold myself back from saying or doing the wrong thing through a conscious effort, through my own willpower. I thought my mind will never be at a place where I won't even think those things, and that sometimes it may come out, but I'll have to hold it back. It's like, oh, mm, mm, mm. and I thought it was just going to be like that the rest of my life. But, you know, after I shared that testimony, things begin to change. And then after the service, pastor came over to me and said, you know why I called you up there? I said, well, I'm not sure exactly. He said, because I want you to know what God's doing in your life. I said, well, what, what is he doing? He said, well, God's renewing you. And I know that you think you're going to have to just do it through your own willpower, but the Spirit of God is going to transform you, and your mind is going to be completely different. And I remember the moment probably six or eight months later, and I was playing a game of basketball in the middle of the game where I would have usually said a few things that were not very nice to other people. I was a sinner, just like you. Don't judge. I remember in that moment, I didn't have to hold the words back because the thought wasn't there anymore. I had been renewed. And renewal is not a moment. Renewal is a process. But what the pastor was trying to get me to understand is that the Bible says you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. And sometimes just sharing your testimony will help keep you on a journey where you can be renewed and you actually be transformed. And let me show it to you. The scripture says it this way in Romans chapter 12, if you have your Bible or your iPad or your phone or if you just at least want to listen with your ears. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, it talks about renewal. Everybody say renewal. And this is for someone today. I didn't have all this in my notes, but I, I believe it's for someone. It says, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present, that means you have to do it, you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This is not an outlandish service. This is not, uh, you know, a difficult thing. This is reasonable. It's just average, normal, everyday followers of Jesus. You present yourself 
and it says, as your reasonable service, and then it says, and do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you would then be able to prove what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. There's a transformation process that God wants to do in us and through us. And I can tell you that was now over 20 years ago. And God continues to renew things in my life and things in my mind and things in my marriage and finances and priorities and all of that. That's part of following Jesus, part of being a Christian. But that transformation process means that things actually change. We don't look the same. We don't stay the same. We don't have the same habits and hobbies and activities. No, things change because our priorities change. We're in alignment with God's word. And if you don't hear anything else today, hear this, that when you walk after Jesus, you become more like him. You see, this is it. This is the goal. We want to be more like him. We want to be transformed. We want to be like Jesus. We are his representatives here in this earth, that this idea of a dead man walking is the idea that I've exchanged my life for his. So it's not a negative, it's actually a positive. It's a positive that when I walk after Jesus, then he transforms me into his image and his likeness. Remember this, whatever you walk after, you become like. So just look at your life and say, what have I been walking after? Well, if you're walking after this thing that's going to harm you or this thing that's going to you know, bring pain and, and difficulty, this thing that's going to bring separation in your marriage, this thing that's going to hurt your children, this thing that's going to detour things in your finances, well, then just change what you're walking after. Because if the trail of your life has destruction and death and, and, you know, doubt and all the things that come, then the enemy has deceived you. The Bible says that he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It doesn't say he will do those things, but he's coming, he's trying to do those things, but you have authority over the enemy. You have authority over the attacks of the enemy, the lies of the enemy, the deception of the enemy, the tricks of the enemy, all those things that you may not even be aware of. You as a Christian, a follower of Jesus, have Holy Spirit awareness to say, oh, no, that's the trick of the enemy. No, that's a deception of the devil. No, that's going to detour my life. And I have power over that because I am his follower. I have the power of Jesus living on the inside of me. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. We read Romans chapter 8 verses 1 earlier where it talked about no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. And 11 verses later it says for the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So how do you have victory over the things that are trying to take you out? You have victory because the Spirit of Jesus lives on the inside of you. That the Spirit of Almighty God resides on the inside of you. And you can channel the power of this Holy Spirit through the words of your mouth. And so I don't feel very strong at times. I don't feel like I'm making it. Well, sometimes you have to just believe it through your mouth before you see it in your life. 
You say, no, I'm a child of God. I have the spirit of God. I have the mind of Christ. I am led by the spirit of God. When I wake up in the morning, I don't feel like doing certain things, but you know what? I talk myself into it. I say, today is a good day. Today is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today, everywhere I go, I prosper. Everything I put my hand to prospers in Jesus' name. I have the word in season to those that are weary. I do it every day, not just on days when I preach. I do it every day because I need it every day. That's a good place to say amen. Some of you missed it. You'll get a chance in a little bit. So this is all here in Scripture, the transformation process, who we are in him. Let me give you another thing that this is really exciting. Some of you are are really going to enjoy this part. Right after in Romans chapter 8, so it says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. Then it says in verse 11, the Spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, who raised Christ Jesus from the dead, also gives life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Then after that, it says, verse 14, for as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You can also put daughters in there because it's talking about basically your children of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So you've been adopted into his kingdom as his kids. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You not received the spirit of bondage again of fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. Then listen to what it says, verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. So his spirit bears witness with your spirit. It says it bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Just listen to that. You're a child of God. It's not just a song we sing because it sounds good. I am a child of God. I'm not a singer. But... You've heard that. Oh, you're a child of God. Oh, sister, you're a child of God. Yeah, sometimes you can hear something and forget who you are. Yeah, 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 I'm a child of God. But do you know what that means? Do you know what it means to be a child of God? This is what it means. Verse 17. And if children, in other words, if you're a child of God, you better listen to this part. If children, then heirs. What? If heirs, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, then also we will be glorified together. So there's this understanding that I'm not just a child on the outside of God's family. I'm a child on the inside of God's family. If children then heirs. You are an heir to the promises of God. You are not abstract. You are not obstinate. You are not just cast out as like some reprobate child of God that he barely brings into the family and kind of says, hey, don't worry about them. They're the kind of black sheep of the family, but I have real children over here. No, you are all included into his family. Red and yellow, black and white, all precious in his sight. Jesus died for the world so that the world through him might be saved. And when you get saved, you come out of your family, out of your own kingdom into his kingdom. And we become heirs with him. (laughs) 
What's an heir? An heir is someone who has access to the inheritance of the kingdom. Access to what the king has becomes part of yours. William and Harry don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, I wonder if I have access to the kingdom. No, they're part of the kingdom because they are princes. You guys know who I'm talking about? In the UK, right? They're famous. So funny story about that. I have a friend who a little while ago had an opportunity. He pastors in the UK. And when um, the queen died, they invited clergy to come to uh, London and to meet together. And then they um, were part of the process of the whole ceremony that over a billion people witnessed. And as I was watching the ceremony, there was my friend right on TV walking down the center aisle of the Westminster Abbey or wherever they were, Buckingham Palace. And I thought, wow, there he is. And then after the service, he texts me. He says, I was 15 feet away from the king. And then he posted on Instagram, and it shows him circled, and then it shows like an aisle, and there's the king, 15 feet away. And he was so excited because he just got so close to the king. He was so excited about how he had got into the palace and how he had access. He even talked to the king one time. The king asked him, he said, now, aren't you part of that group of people that are like real spiritual There's a whole group of clergymen. What he meant is he's part of the spirit-filled group of people. He represented the Pentecostal denomination in the UK, those that that have a fullness of the spirit or at least an expression on the outside of what the spirit is doing on the inside. He wasn't just a stale Christian. He was actually a fully alive believer. He said, yeah, you're that that, that kind of uh, uh, Christians who, you know, you have all those outward things. You get excited about what God is doing. He said, yeah, that's us. And I thought about how excited he was because he got 15 feet from the king, which is awesome in the natural. But you and I, we don't have to stay 15 feet away from the king. We don't have to just get excited to be in a palace in the natural. We have been given access to the promises of God through what Jesus did. And we are not slaves. We are sons. We are children of God. And we have an inheritance that if we get excited in the natural watching someone's, you know, burial process, we should get more excited in the natural understanding the old man in your life was also buried, but the new man that that gives life is on the inside of you, and you have access to the promises promises of God because you're an heir of the kingdom of God. And if an heir, then you have access to everything Jesus had. In fact, the scripture there says that you are like Christ, that you are a joint heir with him. Can you imagine Jesus walked the earth, did amazing things, and it doesn't just say you are subservient to him. It says you're a joint heir with him. You're a king's kid. Tell somebody next to you, I knew you were royalty. Tell the person on your other side, you didn't know who you were sitting next to. You see, you even look like royalty. When things begin to change in your life, people look at you different and say, man, something's different about you. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know something's different because I'm a king's kid. I'm royalty. I'm an heir according to the promise. I mean, you'll start saying things people have outside of the kingdom have no idea of, but they'll see the change in you and say, well, I don't know what that is, but whatever it is, that's what I want. Whatever changed you because you used to be crazy and now you're not so crazy. I mean, you're half crazy, but you're not crazy in the same way. So whatever crazy got out of you and new crazy came into you, that's what I want. 
Because to follow Jesus, sometimes you do have to be a little crazy. There has to be a, a good crazy where, you know what, you don't walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. In the natural, that's kind of weird and, and different. I just like to use the word uncommon because it sounds better than weird. You're just uncommon. You, you're an uncommon group. You're an uncommon person. And the reason that you're uncommon is because you're walking after Jesus. So who are you? You are a child of God. Realize this, that Christ gives us freedom to walk by the Spirit instead of walking after the flesh. Every day there's a war between your flesh and your spirit. You can read through Galatians chapter 5. It talks about it. It says, I'll walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. They are contrary to one another so that you... Do not do the things that you wish, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are all these kind of things, uncleanness, adultery, fornication, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts, wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and of the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as also I told you before in the past. This is the Apostle Paul writing to a church in Galatians. That those who practice those things won't inherit his kingdom, but the fruit of his spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance, and faith. So he's illustrating here this war between flesh and spirit, and he's saying the byproduct of who you're surrendered to will be what comes out of your life. Either these things that God detests or these things that are the fruit of God's Spirit. So there is a war, but you don't have to live your life wondering if you're going to win the war because Jesus won the war for you. But you do have to walk after him, and when you walk after him, he gives you the victory. He gives you the strength. So it's not this place where I wake up in the morning and say, oh, God, help me win the war. No, he's already given you power over that. Oh, God, help me to win the battle today. No, he's given you power to win the battle. So quit coming from a place of will God and come from a place of thank you, God. That's a big change. There are some parts of Christianity that still wake up in the morning and say, God, if you will, please do this. And God's up in heaven saying, I already decided that long ago. I want to bless you. God, if you would, bless me. No, I already decided I want to bless you. Oh, God, if you would heal me. No, I already decided healing is for you. Oh, God, if you would redeem me. I already decided to redeem you. That's why I sent Jesus. Hello, wake up. You can sometimes live in a place where you're saying things that sound good, but they actually aren't God. God, if you would just take this away from me. God said, no, that's why I sent Jesus. I already did. Now what you need to do is align your mind and your words up with what I've already done, and that's how the promises of God become a reality in your life. So that's why responding to an altar is important. That's why confession through your mouth is important. That's why the behaviors in your life changing is so important because we surrender who God is. Thank you very much, my friend Casey. We surrender to who God is, and it transforms who we are. So let me give you these three things as we kind of wrap this up today. Number one. When we walk after Jesus, it does require three things. Here's the three things. Number one, it requires me to see differently. Everybody say see. What you look at is important to who you're going to become. 
So when you walk after Jesus, it requires you to see different. Let me give you some encouragement on what you should see. See God's word and God's promises available for your life. When you see the word of God as him speaking to you, it changes things in your life. So see God's word as a promise for your life and see him then transforming things in your life. Here's a scripture, Psalms 119, 105. It says, for your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. To see, we can go to God's word and see who we are when we forget who we are. So when you forget you're redeemed and you forget you're a child and you forget you're an heir according to the promise, go back to the word and see what God says about you. I know that that this... This is the part of the sermon that most people don't like because that means when you leave on a Sunday, you have to actually have to apply it. Your pastor cannot feed you enough on a Sunday to help you in the middle of problems on Wednesday. I mean, it feels good, but it's easy to say amen and walk out and then problems come and trouble comes and the enemy comes and you forget everything about who you are and you just kind of drag back in on Sunday and say, oh God, help me again this week. Well, if all you get from God is on a Sunday morning and an hour and a half, it's not going to be enough for you to make it through the week. All right, I'll try it on this side. It's not going to be enough for you to just say amen, for you to even respond when we have moments of opportunity to respond. Because God wants to transform you in this moment, but then he wants to continually transform you by the renewing of your mind. That means you have to then go to God's word on your own. In the back, did you hear that? We go to God. We don't go to a priest. I mean, a priest, a pastor, whatever. I mean, we're helpful, but really, the, the Scripture, New Testament theology, that means after Jesus came and what he did and what we read through the Scripture tells us that really the apostles, the pastors, the teacher's job is for equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. That means not only should the saints understand renewal and get it on their own, that there's actually work for them to do during the week that you won't get on a Sunday. Actually, the job of the church coming together is about you being transformed and then you being sent out, renewed, to make a difference in this world. This is how we change the world. This is how we change the world. This is how we go from a few hundred to a few thousand. This is how we see this place full and packed. This is how we reach this community. There are thousands of people just in Avalon Park that need to be redeemed and restored and renewed, that need to know the hope and the love and the life of God and what God can do in them and through them. And guess what? You're his ambassadors. You are in those places. So the more your life is changed and transformed, the more you can be the light of God in this world. If you believe that, say amen. Secondly, it not only requires you to to see, it requires you to listen differently. He is speaking, but we must be listening. Ask yourself the question, what has the Holy Spirit been speaking to me? It's hard to respond to the things of God if you're not hearing what God is saying. I just don't know what to do. What's God saying? Well, I'm not sure. What's his Bible say? I'm not sure about that either. At least it's an open book test. We can grab what it says. We can read it. We can believe it. We can apply it. 
and change takes place. That's good. Man, I need that. So what's the Spirit saying? Isaiah 30, verse 21. Whether you turn to the right or turn to the left, you will hear, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is how God wants to lead you, by his Spirit. So if we're going to walk after Jesus, we're going to have to listen to God's voice that will help us get in the right direction. And then lastly, not only does it require you to see differently, listen intently or differently, it requires you to then follow. Walking after Jesus is not him at a distance. It's you walking after him. You following after him. Staying close to him. Walking after Jesus requires your participation. Everybody say participation. You can't be led by the Spirit of God if you're not willing to take action to go after what God says. And no one else can take action for you, but you can take action. James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the Word, so you then will deceive yourselves. One of the best scriptures in the Word right here. Do not merely listen to the Word, so you deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Because when you do what the Word says and what God leads you in and what the Spirit is guiding you in, you walk into greater abundance, greater victory, greater joy, greater peace. You walk into the purpose and the plans that God has for our lives. I believe that for you. And when we walk after Jesus, we walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And it's the Spirit that gives life. You see, God has life for you. As Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life to the fullest. That means here and hereafter. He doesn't want you just to be with him once in the sweet by and by. He wants to make your life better here on this earth. But it doesn't come through our own ways. It comes through his ways. It comes through surrender to him and listening and seeing and following after him. Would you stand to your feet as we pray here today? tried to deliver what the Lord gave me today for you. And I pray that the words that were spoken would become a reality in your life. Thank you for listening to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We hope today's message helps you take another step closer to knowing God and finding freedom through His Word.